This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Good morning, everyone. It's a pleasure to be here in front of y'all giving this lesson. Uh, this morning, I'd like to talk about the basics of sin. I kind of want to answer some questions of sin, especially for anyone who's new to Christianity and might have questions about sin. So this morning, I'd like to answer these questions. How do you define sin? What causes sin? What does sin look like? What are the consequences of sin? What does God think of sin? And what can we do about our sin? First, let's start off by defining what sin is. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 4, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth, transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So sin is simply breaking God's law. So if we were to go out here and speed, that would be us breaking the law for speeding. The same thing goes for us when we break God's law. It's a violation. Sin is also unrighteousness. 1 John 5:17. the Bible says, All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. Sin is simply unrighteousness. And unrighteousness is simply not, the definition is basically not righteous, not right, something that's unfair, unjust. And that's what sin is. Sin is also not doing what you know you ought to be doing. James 4, uh, 17, the Bible says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good, and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. So sin is also not doing what you know you ought to be doing. So that's a quick definition of what sin is. So now let's answer the question, what causes sin? Well, first and foremost, Satan, the devil, the evil one, however you want to call him, is uh, one of the big causes for us sinning. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8, Peter tells us to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Notice how Peter describes the devil. He describes him as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. And the book of Job actually confirms this for us. Uh, in Job 1, verse 6 and 7, we get this account. The Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down it. So all these beings are meeting up here, and Satan just walks up there with God in them. And, he, and the Lord asked them, like, hey, where'd you come from? And somehow I just feel like Satan's just nonchalantly just going, oh, you know, I'm just walking, walking about seeking what I can do. But Peter tells us what he was trying to do. He said he was a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And if you read the story of Job, you can see what happens next. So lust is also one of the major factors of our sins. The Bible says in James 1, 14 to 15, But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So when lust comes to fruition, it brings sin, and when sin eventually brings forth death. The Bible says in 1 John 2, 15 to 14, 
It says, not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all, that are, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of, the, will of God abideth forever. We're told not to love this world, because all the world has to offer us is the lust of the flesh. Those things that, that, mm, that satisfy our appetite for the fleshly desires. And the lust of the eyes, it says, those things that seem pleasing to our eyes, anything like material-wise. This could also be called covetousness, the wanting of things that are not, not ours. And the Bible says that both of, these, both of these lead to sin, which will eventually lead to death. Our heart is also one of the main causes for our sin. Man, contrary to what the children's movies or the Hallmark movies might say, following your heart doesn't always lead to a fairy tale ending. I mean, me and my wife have this ongoing joke of whenever we're lost or don't know what to do next, we just tell each other, you know, just follow your heart. It won't mislead you. But the Bible doesn't say that. Uh, Jesus actually said this in Matthew 15, 19. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murderers, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, and blasphemies. I mean, as good as it sounds to say or to hear, to follow your heart, to follow your dreams, don't. As we just read, we, we know what our heart can lead to. So our heart, our lust, and the evil one are all major causes for us sinning. So now let us look at what sin looks like or the nature of sin. First and foremost, sin is enticing. It's, it's tempting. James 1, 12-16, the Bible says this, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for he is tried. He shall receive the crown of life, which, is the Lord, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bring forth death, uh, bring forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bring forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. I do want to get this out of the way. It is not a sin to be tempted. Temptation is not a sin. I mean, everyone's tempted. Even Jesus was tempted when he was spent the 40 days out in the wilderness. It's what you do with that temptation that matters. You can either follow through with that temptation and continue in your sin or go through with that sin, or you can turn away from that temptation and be obedient unto righteousness. So what you do with that temptation, that's what matters. I'd also... Hmm, sin is also enjoyable. And I'd be lying if I told you sin isn't enjoyable and I wouldn't be giving you the truth. Uh, sin, if sin wasn't enjoyable, we would not be tempted by it. That's what makes it tempting, because it's enjoyable. The Bible says in Hebrews 11.25, says this about Moses. It said, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. So Moses, instead of enjoying the pleasures of sin, of everything the Egypt, the kingdom of Egypt had to offer him, all the money, all the women, all, all that stuff, Moses chose rather to suffer affliction with God's people in the wilderness and Trust me, he suffered 
uh, he suffered quite a bit. Sin also has a nature of enslaving us, of trapping us. Jesus said this about sin. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committed sin is the servant of sin. Jesus said it, said it simply, Yet you're a servant of your sin if you follow through with your sin. And, Peter, uh, and Paul also reminds us of this as well. He says, Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So Paul says you either have two choices. You can serve your sin and be a slave to your sin, or you can serve and be obedient and serve and be a slave to righteousness and serve in, in that. It is up to us. Sin has a way of trapping us, of enslaving us. So what are the consequences of sin? First and foremost, sin brings memories of life before sin. In Luke 15, 17, about the prodigal son, the Bible says, When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? So the prodigal son, he took his inheritance and went off to the city and, and lived riotously, the Bible says. And he spent all his money, all his stuff, doing all this sinful actions and doing whatsoever. And when he lost everything to, to all his riotous living, he was eventually pretty much down like rock bottom. He was in the mud pit with the pigs eating what they ate. And he thought about, he, he recollected what he had before his sin, before he went off and did all this righteous living. And that's what, he th what came to mind. He said, I'm here starving, and my father's servants, the people who work for my father, have plenty enough food to eat. And here I am. So the prodigal son had memory of what life was before he was, before sin. Sin also has a way of leaving us feeling bad. In the story, oh, sorry, oh, I guess I don't have it. Um, one of the major consequences to sin is that sin leads to death and eternal death. The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death, and that's a pretty major consequence to our sin. So if sin is how you work, death is how you're going to be paid. And, J and James told us that lust brings sin, and sin brings death. Another consequence to our sin is that God is angered by our sin. Deuteronomy 31:17, the Bible says, Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? So God is angered by our sins. It says that He forsook them, and He hid His face from them. And Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says the same thing. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, neither His ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. So it's not that God can't save us or that He can't hear us. 
is that our sins have separated from us, from him. And God and sin don't work. God is holy, and if you truly want to know how holy God is, the book of Leviticus shows us the vast contrast between God and sin. So if you ever have time, go ahead and read that book. For, so God hates sin. And Proverbs 6, 16-19 tells us, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that will that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. So God hates sin, and here are seven things that the that Solomon told us about. For sin brings God sorrow. In Genesis six six God said this about when men became very wicked. God said, and it, and it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So after Noah was saved, uh, they repopulated the earth. And these men became so wicked that they, literally every wicked imagination came to fruition. And it said that God was sorrowed or was grieved at his heart because he had made us at the time. So, for God doesn't pleasure in sin as well. The Bible says in Psalms 5, 4 through 6, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell in thee. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Thou shalt destroy them that speak leasing, the Lord will arbor the bloody and deceitful man. God hates sin, simply put. And sin doesn't have to end with God hating us and turning away from us as we just read. We, we don't have to be enslaved to our sins. We don't have to be grieved by our sins. And ultimately, we don't have to die to our sins. The Bible says that the one who is forgiven is blessed. In Psalms 31, verse, uh, 32, verse 1, a psalm of David, Mascho, Blessed is he who ch whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. So we can't do anything on order, uh, in order of covering our sins, although we can try. And there are countless examples of people trying to cover their own sins by their own, by their own ways. For example, we have Adam in the garden. He tried to shift blame off himself for his sin. The Bible says in Genesis 3.12, And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. So Adam, uh, Adam blame shift. He said, It was the woman that gave me of this fruit, right? It was not my sin. It was hers. But Adam also blamed God. It's like the, he said, It's the woman that you gave me, ultimately. But ultimately, it was Adam who committed his own sin. We also have the story of Achan in the book of Joshua. Um, after the fall of Jericho, God told him not to take of the gold of the silver because it was all accursed. And if he did, it, it would make you accursed as a nation. But there was a man who did take of that, of that stuff. In Joshua 7 verse 1, the Bible says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass 
and the transgression uh, and the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zebdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So Achan did take of the gold, of the silver, which eventually led to the nation of Israel losing certain battles, which eventually led to them losing many men. But Achan tried to hide his sin. He tried to hide all the gold and all the silver in his tent. And if you really want to know more about the story of Achan and the sin of Achan, uh, Brother Ben has a wonderful lesson that really goes into depth on this lesson. And I would definitely recommend you all listen to that. Um, we also can't lie out of our sins. We also have an example of Ananias and Sapphira who try to do such a thing. So Ananias and Sapphira, they sold the land and they said that they were going to give all the money they had to the, to the church, to, to Peter and them, but they didn't. In Acts 5 verse 7, the Bible says, Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So we can't do anything in order of covering our own sins. We can't blame, shift, we can't hide our sins, and we can't lie about our sins. All our sins will eventually come to light. And it's better to, for that to happen now than later at judgment. If you want your sins covered properly, the Bible says to seek God's forgiveness. In Psalms 85 verse 2, Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. Selah. God is the only one who can cover your sins. But how? Through God's word. James 1.21 Wherefore I lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of, of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. James tells us to join close to... Be together with the word, for it has the power to save our soul. And the gospel is what's found in God's word. The Bible says in Romans 1, 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Gospel has the power of God unto salvation. So what exactly is the gospel? Paul reminds the Corinthians of what the gospel is, of what they believed in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4. Paul had this to say, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also you are saved. If ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And this was Jesus' whole reason for coming to earth. This was the prophecy we had all the way back in Genesis after Adam and Eve sinned. And we can read about that in 1 John 3, 5, and 7. The Bible says this, And ye know that he, Christ, was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. 
Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteous is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Jesus is the reason. Jesus made it all possible for us to have the remission of sins through the shedding of his blood. Hebrews 9.22 says that, And also all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. So, if there's no blood, there's no remission of sins. So, since we do have the blood of Christ, we do have the remission of sins, and we have the forgiveness through His blood. The Bible says in Colossians 1.14, In whom we have re redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So hopefully this answered some of these questions of how you define sin, how do you describe it, what causes our sin, and what sin actually looks like, what are the consequences of sin, of what God thinks of sin, and what we can actually do about our sins. So as I conclude today, God did His part by sending His one and only Son to die for us, and Christ did His part by shedding His blood for us for the remission of sins. Now it's our time to do our part by obeying the gospel. And if you need help with that this morning, you can come to the front row as we stand and sing, or if you need prayers from the church as well, do the same. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.